Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 98 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. It's the podcast in which I, your humble host and guide, Daryl Edge, take you, dear listener, on the journey to true Cage Nirvana. And what is that I hear you ask? Well, it is simply the most spiritual, influential, mathematical, scientifical, artistical, English literature, geographical, hierarchical, and everything else, being, sense of person and form, one can ever achieve, and that is simply achieved by, you guessed it, watching every movie of the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood, Nicholas Cage. Here we are, episode 98. It is finally time to wrap up the 2019s this week with Grand Isle. And then after that, we've got two left until we're all caught up. Uh, we've just recently had the announcement that the next Cage film of 2022, Butcher's Crossing, is set to receive its debut at the Toronto International Film Festival of September this year, 2022. So naturally, I've got a ordered the book ahead of time to get some research and reading in that'll be exciting also ordered the book for high fire as well uh, of which cage will be voicing a uh, a certain dragon for the amazon series so we still got plenty of exciting projects to come up we're still anticipating the retirement plan and the old way this year as well so still plenty of cage to come in 2022 the year is not over just yet and of course, it's going to be old Dracula next year, so still a lot to look forward to. Uh, now, looking forward more specifically for episode 98, I was joined by uh, a super fan of the of the old Golden Hog himself, Scarlet, to come talk about Grand Isle. A long time in the making this episode, and was lovely to have Scarlet on board. Um, Grand Isle, uh, an interesting film. Um, it's as we will discuss at length, quite a disjointed film, trying to do a lot of different things. Is it successful in doing those things? Well, you have to listen to to find out. But Kelsey Grammer's in it as well, and he's definitely not just some kind of Colonel Sanders imitation. And uh, this film gave us a concussion. There's 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 the uh, the TLDR of it. This film gave us a concussion. But we'll get all into all of that and more. Uh, so here it is, episode 98, covering Grand Isle, uh, but let's go for it then, shall we? Grand Isle, episode 98. Enjoy. Duh. We are rounding out 2019 this week with the southern gothic action thriller Grand Isle. When a hurricane strikes a Vietnam veteran, Walter Franklin... Nicholas Cage, and his wife give shelter to a local handyman when the night takes an unexpected and very weird turn for the worse. 
Joining me on the journey to true cage nirvana this week to see if this movie is a grand affair or is this aisle just plain bland is Nick Cage, super fan and 3D artist. It's Scarlett. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Good to see. Good to see. Um, so this one has been... Uh, a bit of a while in the making. I think I had you. I've had you down for this episode for about a year, so you've been very patient. Um, yeah, it feels like yeah. <laughs> I've been so, waiting in the wings for a good amount of time now, so <laughs> it's good to finally talk, chat about this one. <laughs> I know. So obviously, uh, one thank you for your patience and putting it with my absolute um, non-existent admin skills, um, which. I think we're saying before this far into the podcast, you'd think I'd have learned something about how to construct things, but nope, absolutely not. I have a stubborn priority. I will not do it. I will. I absolutely refuse to yield. Um, you got to stick to your principles, man. <laughs> I know. Even if my principles are absolute dog shit. Um, That's right. <laughs> got to be nothing if not consistent. Um but obviously, the start of any new episode, especially with new guests, uh, I'm always keen to throw open the first question. Uh, Nicholas Cage, the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood. Uh, for you, Scarlett, uh, rate, hate, tolerate. Uh, where do you stand on the man we call Nicholas Cage? Oh, he's the best, man. He's absolutely the best. I'm full-on Nicholas Cage fan. <laughs> was, was there a certain time for you where it was... Um, uh, what do you call it, like a first film that you'd seen for Nicolas Cage and where sort of the, uh, I, I guess, the love for the Golden Hog started? Um, you know, it was actually way back. The first movie I saw him in was Guarding Tess. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I think it was because, you know, just my age, that was the only one that was kind of parent approved at the time. <laughs> I think I was sure. probably, gosh, I don't know when that come out. I was probably like 13, 14. I don't know, something like that. 12 I don't know somewhere in there I was a preteen and uh I remember thinking it was just the funniest thing at the time I still got some nostalgia for that one um I think really becoming a cage fan though was probably like The Rock and Con Air it was all you know face off The Rock Con Air that's when I you know I just love the crap out of all those movies so they're fantastic and ever since <laughs> been on the cage trade <laughs> I mean, for a lot of people, once you're on the train, it's uh, it, it, it's a difficult ass to get off. There's no stopping it. And I hope it never stops. I hope the, I, the train goes on forever because, as we all know, the man is immortal and will outlive us all. He's already said he he's not he's not going to retire. So it's um, I think the the heat death of the universe only that will stop him, which is the only outcome that I care for. Um, I guess guarding test. I think that was just having a quick check here. Back in uh, uh, '94, also next to a, it could happen to you. And tragic. all right, so yeah, I was I was 11 or 12. Yeah, that's <laughs> so a little too young for like Wild at Heart and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that was the first one. <laughs> and uh, so you just missed out on Deadfall in 1993 <laughs> as well, which is a, a shame, a shame all round. <laughs> I think um, I, you know, it's too bad I wasn't traumatized for life, you know, at 11, 11, uh, watching Deadfall. <laughs> that would have been amazing. You know what? I still haven't watched that whole movie. I need to. I've watched all the clips. I've watched a lot of clips, but I have not watched it from start to finish. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, maybe I have to just reject my cage card right now just for that statement right there. But 
here's here's the thing though it's you know it, it's no i mean it, it is really no grand shame not watching deadfall i have watched deadfall i will put my cards on the table and say i've seen deadfall more than any other person on this planet <laughs> i've seen it definitely three times and i have a feeling i've seen it a fourth time but my my memory's rejected this because i think four's the cutoff for that film yeah, you're just not allowed. After that, the tape, the you know, the DVD, the streaming just won't play. <laughs> you, it has it has a lifespan. It's like a Michelin Impossible sort of mission accept thing that the tape will self destruct. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, a film like Deadfall, though, which is um, a film I've I can only describe as, and I've said this before in other other podcasts, um, it's both a one star and a five star film, and it's impossible to it's impossible to explain why. To be fair, it's just, yeah, it's just so so bad. It's good. It seems like that that's the case. <laughs> I just I just wish it some comes more in, full circle. <laughs> this is it. I just wish some more cinemas would have the uh, the stones to share Deadfall with the people who deserve it the most. Um, this is what I, I'd say this to anyone: if you've seen the Nicolas Cage clips of Deadfall online, honestly, that's all you need to watch. He's the only reason to watch that film. I still don't know if that's a good thing, even to this day. But anything outside of that, like Charlie Sheen's in it, it's this is just like, um, I think it's Chris Coppola who directed it. Just a Coppola pulling in a lot and lot of favours to get some names in that film. Um, and then there's a man with a claw at the end. <laughs> uh, just, I get the impression it was shot with almost no plan whatsoever. Just like, I got these people on these days and let's just... I just do it <laughs> and that uh, the cage took the opportunity to go just off the rails <laughs> in the best way possible to make that movie memorable you know <laughs> I think that I think this is the, the the thing though obviously over the years he's been perfecting his western kabuki style of acting I think he'd had obviously a taste of it with vampires kiss a few years before his brother has said um a masterpiece yeah. by the way <laughs> <laughs> and it is truly another <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> his brother has said to him, come do this film for me. And he said, I will let you do whatever the fuck you want. And Nicolas Cage has said, okay. I think if you give him the magic words, like there is room to experiment with this character, then he's going to push those boundaries. And I'm here for every single part of it. So it's just a lot of fun. Um, Obviously, sort of skipping ahead to uh, Grand Isle in 2019 here. Not as outrageous by any stretch of the imagination as Deadfall was. Um, but for Grand Isle, um, not really one I'd heard of before. I think one of the last remnants of the straight-to-DVD cage era that sort of slips through. Uh, was yeah. this one that you had seen before? Um, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I was kind of for a while. I was doing like I'm going to watch every Nick Cage movie, and I've I've made it through a lot of them. I've got a few left, but this was kind of on that stretch. I think of two years where I just probably about the same amount of time you're doing the podcast. Actually, <laughs> just tried to work my way through all of them. Um, I did just recently watch it again this morning, just to kind of refresh my memory because it's been a while. But uh, yeah, it's I like to call it. It was. Nick Cage's, you know, hick redneck stretch here where he did like this one and Between Worlds and I think he did another one too, which is the long hair, the <laughs> just being a redneck 
<laughs> full Corey. We're just feeling it at this time. So. <laughs> yeah, he, he's definitely trying to live his um, relive almost like his Con Air vibes. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that the hair was long, like the beard was out, and. I've said it before on the podcast, like obviously the, the 2010s with a few notable exceptions, um, just a, a lot of films that are exactly the same. Um, and then you get one or two, which do actually sort of stand out and are quite like, I like Primal, I like Kill Chain. I think they, some diamonds in quite a rough amount of rough. Yeah. No, Primal's, Primal's a fun one. I don't know. It just something about, you know, animals running amok on, on a ship. And I think, uh, what's his face? Who's his co-star? I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now, but he's great in it as kind of the, the baddie too. So they play off each other pretty good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty amusing. Yeah. I'm trying to remember his name yet. Uh, Kevin Durand, I think it was. Thank it you, was... Kevin Durand. Yes, that's that's it. Yeah, I think. I always find the... him amusing too. <laughs> it's like one of the joys of Primal was it like it's, for 10 minutes, it's one film. And then it's a completely different film for the rest of the movie. There's also a jungle cat and monkeys on a ship. Um, it's true. <laughs> but to the film's credit, like it's, it is pretty schlocky and it is fun and it does make it work. And I think if, if you're going to put a gun to my head and say, you know, what are some of the, the straight DVDs? And I say that with all due respect um, that you would recommend. I think Primal would be up there for me. I think it would be one that I'd, uh, Definitely recommend as well. In the 2019, Grand Isle was um, rounding out um, a, a very interesting year. Um, so like a score to settle, got running with the devil, kill chain, um, which I think between that and films like sort of 211 as well, 211, there are a lot of films, as I've said, that have exactly the same plot. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I, I agree with you on Primal and Kill Chain being the kind of the, the tops of those and just they're fun to watch like kill chain's an interesting one because it he's not in it that much but he really makes uh you know use of his time there and i think just the movie itself with i'm sure the resources they had it's actually a it's a pretty tight tight movie it's you know it keeps your attention the whole way through it's kind of a neat little noir so i do like i do like that one quite a bit and i have to admit <coughs> grand isle um i get a little guilty pleasure from this one too <laughs> I hold it above the others that uh, you just mentioned there. <laughs> I know it's an unpopular opinion, so <laughs> so be it. But uh, I just, there's some stuff, we'll get into it and stuff, but there's some stuff I just uh, get guilty pleasure from, like, you know, just some of these line deliveries, some uh, the interplay between um, Walter and Fancy, I find extremely amusing, <laughs> if not very bizarre. I, I mean, I don't you know, understand the movie. The movie doesn't really make sense, but <laughs> I get some enjoyment out of it. So, <laughs> I mean, it, even watching the film, I was never, I was never more than ten percent sure what was actually happening at any moment or why. I mean, you know, there's some stuff that amuses me greatly, and I have no idea why it happened or you know why the line was the way it was. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I've obviously sort of started to get into Grand Isle here. I think my first immediate note on the movie was, um, why does Nicolas Cage have the same hair and facial hair as Lemmy from Motorhead? <laughs> it might have been an inspiration. 
I mean, with Cage, he will, he can and will take inspiration from anywhere. So he makes some deep pulls from all sorts of places. So that totally could be <laughs> the inspiration for this one. I mean, hey, and it's I, totally mismatched with his wife in this too. It's like if you couldn't get more polar opposite than those two together, and you know, every every way. <laughs> just two complete different ends of the spectrum of like people he's quite a a reclusive shut off he's a war veteran i think he's i think he said he served in vietnam yeah with nam and like you you did make the comparison to con air though and that and i was like oh yeah you know because you know obviously this one's more like you know he didn't even really fight (laughs) and he's like that's kind of a shame for him in this one but uh yeah there are a lot of con air vibes um no, not in, in the same way that Conair works, but <laughs> it's got some no. of those <laughs> reminiscent qualities to it. <laughs> not, definitely not in like, the best way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say. I mean, it's like the, this, you know, we're sort of touching on backstory here. And um, but the, the backstory for these characters between um, Nicholas Cage's character, Walter, and there's a buddy who's like, the young ex navy man who's trying to uh one i mean let's be honest his two character motivations are one he's trying to make some money so him and his wife can um, look after their sick child two he's trying to raw dog someone because that man's been gagging for six months those are I mean, yeah, no that exaggeration is it. that's it <laughs> it's just it's a very simple man <laughs> he he's doesn't a, really care who he raw dogs but just somebody <laughs> He's a he's a simple man of base, almost primal pleasure. Very <laughs> caveman brain, I think I would call it. Um, and thank you for mentioning his name because I could not remember his name. Even I just watched it and I was like listening for his name, and they don't mention his name very often. <laughs> and when they did, obviously my brain was just off at that point. But no, no, um, yeah. But this one is a weird one because I feel like there's it's way too disjointed. The whole story is like they're trying to tell three or four different stories um, all at the same time. And the editing does not help one bit (laughs) when they jump. Because I'll be honest, I like Kelsey Grammer, but his whole part is unnecessary. If they cut that out, I think, and just made it straightforward, no time jumping around and everything. And maybe he's focused a little bit more on the, you know, the kind of horror aspects that they were doing at the end. could have been a much better movie because it's kind of a shame too because I'm like it, it it had pieces here that could have been kind of a cool just fun you know indie yeah. movie but it just kind of the editing and the, the way they decided to tell the story just isn't it doesn't make it flow it doesn't allow you to get into it so yeah completely agree and he's kind of systemic of like a lot of films of this nature with smaller budgets like sometimes you kind of just have to make do with what happens I'd read somewhere that apparently they um, they ran out of money and they couldn't have the last two days of shooting. I don't know how true that is because anyone can put a, a bit of information on IMDb these days. So I'll yeah. take it with a pinch of salt. Given the movie that we have, I can kind of buy it. Um, yeah, because the ending is weird too, and we'll get to it. But it just it's it's very strange, <laughs> and it's almost the same ending as a score to settle in some ways. <laughs> yeah, it's such it's so weird and i think i think the <laughs> word that you said to describe the movie is disjointed is very yep. very accurate because you've got um 
the film sort of opens and it's uh, this sort of fancy Southern lady opening the door to Girl Scouts and she's squeezing one of them on the face. And then um, in 1990, I think they said it's 1988, which is kind of not really relevant to the time frame, isn't really relevant to the plot in any way, shape or form and yeah. never comes back into it. Um, Nicholas Cage is shooting at a burglar and then we we I guess we go forward some weeks or months and Kelsey Grammer in um, a white suit with a southern drawl is just interrogating Buddy and it keeps flashing back between this interrogation and Buddy telling the story and all Kelsey Grammer does for about 85% of the runtime of his time on screen just go is basically akin to I don't believe you, boy. You killed that man. Uh, Such a waste because he's so good at comedy. Like he is, he's fantastic um, in comedy and stuff like that. And he's just, and he can do drama too. But like you know, he's a he's a really good actor, and he just nothing to do in this at all. And it feels like he just shot all of his scenes in a couple of days, you know, in one room, and then they stepped him outside, and you know, maybe another half day for that. The final scene. It's like it's such a shame that you know Cage and Grammar don't really get to play off each other, you know, at all, yeah. <laughs> except for the very very end. And it's pretty much not even you know they don't have anything to do there to really you know be. It would have been nice if they could have interplayed throughout the entire movie. As I'm trying, you know, it would have been kind of interesting to see. But yeah, yeah, obviously they didn't have them on the same days. So. I no. know how those kind of things work. So <laughs> no, it, it's 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 very curious the whole inclusion of Kelsey Grammer because him and Nicholas Cage are given top billing, and if you say to me Nicholas Cage, Kelsey Grammer, top billing, then I'm expecting just something entirely different and more. Like it, Kelsey yeah. Grammer was, um, I think, like you said, they definitely only had him for like two days, and they're like, <laughs> we've got to just get these these, these shots. Like you now. got one take for everything. <laughs> And it's a good yeah. thing he didn't have like a white beard or anything, because with that white suit and stuff, it would just been, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, Colonel Sanders uh, <laughs> with the yeah. accent and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I already had it in my mind, even just with the white suit and the accent alone. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I think it's you almost get like... get your fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get your man, but you got your fried chicken. But you yeah, can't, you, you, you just can't put p- people with a southern draw in a white suit and he has white hair in this as well and not expect people to think colonel sanders he's too the colonel is the too powerful. <laughs> you know it's like yeah exactly that you're just immediately so. thinking about chicken <laughs> i know and, and i was as well and um you know I, I was recording the pig episode at a very similar time and when i was doing research for that i was reading about how nicholas cage's favorite meal was when he was nine years old and his father gave him a bucket of kfc and champagne and he said it was an unforgettable combination. So I was watching this film thinking, like, <laughs> I want chicken and champagne. Um, Kelsey Grammy, you can't do this to me. <laughs> um, that should be required for this movie. I think it would make it, like, 20 times better just alone. You know, Eating be, that while watching the movie. <laughs> to be fair, I'm, I'm, I'm now regretting not learning of this sooner and having, like, a KFC champagne treat after every film that I finish at this point. I think I'll have it when episode 100 comes out as a real sort of cage feast. Um, a new tradition <laughs> a new for all tra- of us. I think now is the time as, as I enter my 30s to start a real new tradition um, and really bring some uh, some gravitas to recording proceedings here as well. Um, but certainly what we were saying about the interrogation, I think if they'd done away with that and just let the story play out and... Mm-hmm. 
add some more time of like Kelsey Grammer and um there was another detective who's oh I can't think I can't think of who it was but there's another detective who just kind of watches through the like interrogation yeah the female just the random female detective that every once in a while is and maybe there's another one too is there two there's definitely yeah there's a female detective that's like at the end you know helping them search and stuff like that and she's she figures out something at the end which I don't even even know like (laughs) I don't know uh she's kind of comes in at the end it's like oh yeah he they definitely did it and you know (laughs) But yeah. there's probably like three detectives in here and they're all just so nondescript with I mean, like I might as well not seen them. <laughs> pretty no, much don't well, this, is, this is the thing, like all she really does is like, oh, he said a thing that relates to a thing about a thing. Um, let's go to the house. So she's just <laughs> she's just like a shoehorned in fact to get the officers to um uh, to Walter and Fancy's house. But one thing that sort of irked me as well, and um, you know, I, I I don't know how the law enforcement and the proceedings work in America or in the sub states, but I'm thinking like Buddy's there and he's handcuffed and he's being interrogated by Kelsey Grammer, but at the same time he's quite clearly bloodied and battered. He has open wounds that are not being treated. <laughs> yeah, like, he would be treated first. I would like to think. I feel... <laughs> There'd at least be, you know, some cleaning up and, you know, bandaging of wounds. Yeah, like he's 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 bleeding out, and Kelsey Grammer's uh, is just shouting in his face. And I was like, <laughs> look, like I understand with like small movies, obviously budget limitations, and you've got to make some like leaps in logic and stuff. But I think he's dying. That's going to get infected. We don't know what's happened. You have a lawsuit on your hands later, you know. <laughs> And if he dies of you know blood loss while you're trying to interrogate him and very, he's innocent too <laughs> yeah. this this is the thing he's innocent the whole time he's protesting <laughs> and it's only like i think how many interrogation scenes do we get like four or five or something it's only till like interrogation scene four which is like over an hour into the movie where buddy's like oh actually i would quite like a lawyer even though you've already told the whole story at this point i no, think it's like a little this- late for that <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I don't think this... Uh... It was the concussion that he had. <laughs> Didn't think about it till later. I think I think every character in this was concussed. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> That's the... It explains so much. It explains the entire uh, plot of this movie. <laughs> and, you know, if... And what they do. <laughs> if the sort of the director and the writers turn around and say, oh, you know, actually, this was a very sort of abstract um, message about the, the very real dangers of head trauma, then I'd be like, I guess. <laughs> you but win. What? That's fantastic. <laughs> I was like, fair, fair play. You got me. You fooled me from the, from the very get-go. Um but obviously, we, we as we touched on, Buddy's whole thing is he's trying to make money, and um, his his partner's been a bit. I think they've been a bit weird for each other because they've wanted two different things. So he he learns that. Um, obviously, they, you get bits and pieces of information on the news reports throughout the film, and you learn that like a a big storm, a hurricane is coming. Um, so he decides that he's going to go fix Walter's fence on the day of an impending hurricane, which I'm kind of thinking of like. Will you even have a fence left? This seems like it's a very minor priority for you, Walter. Yeah, and it's like she even uh, his wife, you know, fancy mentions that too. She's like, "Why would you get a fence fixed? 
when a hurricane's coming in, I don't know. <laughs> just like, it's, a, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess it was it's just to get him there. That's it. <laughs> it's the concussion. Then <laughs> they're like, he's, it's kind of like difficult to sort of get a read and like Cage's character at the time because he's, you, you, you very quickly, I think, get the idea that both him and fancy his wife played by and hopefully i'm saying it's really like it katie i think or cardi the way it's written strickland i'm gonna say katie i think it's yeah, katie. i think yeah i think it is katie i'm gonna double down on but katie if we're wrong <laughs> we're, we're wrong Sorry. well well corrected in post <laughs> she ever listens to this <laughs> if she ever then like but the i first... am going to say she is great at this matching up with yeah. cage i think she she matches that energy fantastic <laughs> i mean for what it yeah. is it's fun yeah. to watch those two and she can match him totally in the crazy and the passion so i i enjoyed that i think that's the best part of the movies like those two playing off each other and then buddy just being like a a wooden board in between <laughs> complete idiot i mean you know yeah. it's like it's very clear very very early on before he ever says it like at the very end of the movie it's like You'll be better off in the hurricane, dude. Just run out into the hurricane. Just do it. If you get uh, swept up in a hurricane, you're more likely to survive than what's going on in this house right now. God, like any <laughs> any sane person would have taken their chances in the hurricane. I know I would have. I think there's just that house. So for two hundred dollars to fix a fence, not worth it. Not worth it at all. <laughs> I was there's like, be so much more to do after the hurricane goes through. People are gonna need all sorts of things fixed, man. <laughs> Just like, one more day. I think you, yeah you can like I know like I know your child's sick and I know that's priority but I think you can wait a day I think you can wait a day because there's going to be a whole fence to fix there's going to be windows that are smashed but then like he's he's there and said like oh I'll, uh, I'll fix the fence for you and the first sort of the first thing that Walter does is like look him up and down when the talking price is and then his sort of wife comes down from upstairs and she's sort of dressed in that sort of like white gown and my note was like she looks like the tall vampire lady from resident evil 8 um just <gasps> just immediately and then like as you said they're they're on screen like chemistry sort of very good obviously it's a very toxic relationship he's oh yeah <laughs> verbally abusive to her she's sort of physically abusive to him mm-hmm. they've been together 15 years but he's forgotten that it's the anniversary and it's one of those where they on the outside absolutely hate each other's guts but there is a weird twisted kind of love underneath the surface and the energy they have is both really good and as you said um old plank mcgee buddy just can't really (laughs) he's just not interesting in the middle of it which is no (laughs) not necessarily his fault um no, no it's not actor, yeah but... it is just the script you know and it's like he finally starts to get interesting towards the end when they really give him kind of I don't know I they give him more to kind of play with a little bit I don't know or just maybe it's he's finally figuring it out and you're like thank god dude like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how long does it take you <laughs> just... yeah. it's weird too because through all this stuff it's almost like he's thinking about playing them in a way I don't know it, it because he does sort of consider you know when Walter gets to the point where he's like yeah you know I want you to kill my wife it almost seems like he's considering it for a minute (laughs) and he kind of plays along with it so he's almost like playing their weird game and I you never 
they could have done more with that to make him a little more interesting in one way or another, whether he's just, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's like his motivation could have been better in the middle. He's kind of just going with the flow of all this craziness and it, mm. it doesn't make sense why. <laughs> it's like, I'm not sure what he's doing <laughs> at any one time. He might just be yeah. saying he'd do it and then, you know, just so he could just get out of there, which is probably the case. But then he goes to the wife and he's like, well, maybe I can get some. <laughs> while she's taking a bath because he's still got that main motivation like you said of you know gotta gotta get laid (laughs) at some point doesn't have to be my wife uh just anybody who wants to so he goes (laughs) and does that too (laughs) it's just everyone is very twisted in this movie no one is particularly likable which is another kind of problem like they're all kind of terrible people like it's fun to watch falter and fancy but they're terrible people i mean they're not good people Mm. there's really no one you're rooting for per se other than you know i always root for nick cage because he's nick cage but (laughs) story-wise there's no reason for it (laughs) it's just kind of difficult to room for buddy because to run for um uh root for buddy i should say because he's he's supposed to be the protagonist but obviously his motivations are very a bit like icky and it's like and like You've got fifty percent of the right reasons, and then like the second, this sort of be like like your textbook Southern Belle fancy sort of turns an eye to him is like you like ass tea, and then he's like oh just drooling <laughs> all the time, and then it's very quickly he's it's like everyone is each other's pawn. Like Walter's playing fancy and Buddy, Buddy's playing fancy and Walter, Fancy's playing Buddy and Walter, and there's there's yep. no good people. Everyone's like in varying degrees bad like i think buddy buddy's not as bad as walter and fancy for reasons we find out later in the film but again it's what you said the energy between um cage and katie strickland like they match each other so well which when you've watched enough enough cage films you know that's that's not the easiest thing to do because cage um you know for better or worse can be a scene stealer because he's just so damn good um so to see like fancy just going like blow for blow and like holding my attention whenever she was on as well um even when this whole film kind of just became this sort of subterfuge murder slash cuckold drama plot in the middle of a storm and then all the time I was like I don't understand what's happening but I also still don't understand why Buddy just hasn't run out into the storm yet like he's no pun intended, he's weathering a lot of things. <laughs> it's like, just take your take your chances with the storm, dude. The whole time, you're just like, <laughs> they didn't even lock you in. You could have totally just, you know, until the very end <laughs> when you discovered their secret, <laughs> you, you had plenty of ample opportunity to just, just dart out there right away. Especially like, I think some of my favorite lines, and I, I wrote it down because it's just so great, are at that dinner scene when he first <laughs> comes in and cage says something like let's see here yeah he's like you know they're they're having a dinner conversation and obviously like you were saying you know fancy and walter or kind of you know she's trying to make walter jealous by you know hitting on buddy constantly and walter's just you know he's hitting back at her and then he just he just asked buddy in the most nonchalant way like 
how long has it been since your cock's been sucked? (laughs) Just just random. There's just a few lines like that that literally just had me howling because of the way he delivered it. I don't even know, you know, I don't know if it was actually in the script or not. (laughs) They just come out of nowhere. And it's just for those reasons, those like, those lines and stuff and the interplay between Walter and Fancy that I do enjoy this movie a little bit. Even though the whole plot makes no sense, no sense whatsoever. Well, I'd seen on IMDb that, um, and, and again, I couldn't find too much outside of this to sort of verify this. And I did have a look, but it claims that uh, most of Cage's lines were improvised. So um, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's you know, was it like when was the last time you had your cock sucked? Yeah, like, there you go. I'm not, I can't even try. What's <laughs> fancy? has got like job. a foot like buried in Buddy's crotch as well. He, the man's just trying to eat meatloaf and just enjoy, just trying to enjoy his <laughs> night. And he's he's just stuck in the middle of just like a horrible, horrible thing. But the, the Cage obviously has some very. Um, this isn't like a full blown like Cage Rage film, and and especially at this point, sort of the podcast, like he he really doesn't do Cage Rage as much as people think that he does. Like it's quite like a grounded performance but there are little like weird things that he does like i can't think of a line but there's the certain things that he will say to like buddy and then he'll go oh, and then he just <laughs> he just like this Hehe. like that's like i know enough at this point to know what a cage choice was and that yeah he absolutely <laughs> he does have that weird quirk all the way through that just kind of makes you giggle just because it's just like it's there. <laughs> it's a, it's a choice, and it was amusing. That's for sure. I mean, I was, I, by all means, I was absolutely into it, and I was here for it. Um, but then, it, the, just, just weird things about his character because you're trying to sort of figure out like what his deal is and what Fancy's deal is as well. And um, I guess we're talking about like Buddy not being too clued up. I mean, even before the storm hits, like he's he's been sort of spying from like the background and he he knows that fancy is trying to sort of use that southern charm as we later find out she has i think she calls it like a young boy fantasy to sleep with a younger man um and so she's very blatant about exuding sort of like her sort of like sexuality sort of allure him in um oh yeah she's on like 11 this entire movie (laughs) she is cranked she is cranked (laughs) she's cranked all the way up to 11 i'm pretty sure (laughs) So she is raging, Buddy's walking just, around with a rager. Walter's just putting cans on a fence and just shooting them very near to Buddy, which dude, Buddy As soon is. as he shot, as soon as he, uh, Walter got up on the roof and started shooting, you know, cans right next to his head while he was trying to build the fence, the 200 ain't worth it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, this guy, like, you can't, I don't even feel sorry for him because he had so many, like, red flags all the way along and opportunities to leave and still didn't like come on man <laughs> well this is this is entirely like that you're shooting at me i haven't left like i think either you should be making two choices like one you're like right this is this is off i'm not doing this i'll just cut my losses and leave or two i'm like if you're gonna shoot at me at the very least my price goes up um <laughs> gonna be double now if 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 this is your way of negotiating then this is going to be at least 500 not the sort of 250 that you've offered me just very just odd that like buddy doesn't have that sort of 
wherewithal and you want you kind of want him to be a bit like a bit more clued up again like he's got just the caveman brain and when sort of fancies walking him around the house she's like oh come on i'll give you a tour before you because i think he's hit his thumb with a hammer at this point and then the film makes this whole grand thing about um oh locked door what's in the basement what's in the basement and then it's kind of sort of kind of tease but you never like it doesn't do enough to make you interested in what's no. going on they give it away but then they don't expand on enough because it's like you know throughout like you said you have these news like i think it's mostly through during the interrogation right and i think it's sometimes in the house too where you get these you know little snippets of the tv and news you know broadcasts and stuff and it's like there's only two and one uh, two things on the news and it's the hurricane and the missing people the missing mm. boys so you know well the locked door obviously you kind of i think you clue in right, right away well the only other you know tidbit you've gotten is that there's some kidnapped boys missing so i mean you know two plus two it's like yeah <laughs> obviously they got the boys in there but they never they never get into it enough like the movie ends too soon or they spend too much time in the middle and they don't expand on kind of the interesting horror aspect of the movie and what would have been i think fancy's motivation because that was her motivation for wanting you know she wanted children and stuff so that was her big motivator but they never got into it enough and mm. it's also very confusing because they were obviously in on it together to entrap buddy in some way but you're like how much you know was were they doing separately and how much of of the plan was them working together you know was walter trying to get out of this whole it kind of seems like he was trying to get out of the whole situation by having her you know killed potentially by buddy if he would do it or was that all yeah. part of the plot <laughs> you know it's, yeah but why why would it be part of the plot it doesn't make a lot of sense other than maybe just to keep him there longer you know rather than just 200 bucks he had a, a bigger pot of money to you know potentially keep him there but what their motivation was with buddy i'm not i'm not all that clear i'm still not clear i'm still the more i talk about it the less sense it makes you know but this is the thing that like, you, you try to like talk like like you get like you get like um this is sort of skipping ahead to the the end which obviously we'll get a bit more into but you learn that they have a number of um like teenagers in the basement owing to something that fancy sort of says as not a throwaway line but it kind of it doesn't sort of linger on it enough to sort of pick it up but she says that she can't have children um and then she's going about like a young uh boy fantasy and they've been um i mean even though they're supposed to be in the basement there's the burglar from the start of the film who's just in a closet upstairs on an iv drip so i guess they ran out of room in the sort of the pig farm that they've got for teenagers in the in the in the basement down there but it's just just a line right at the end of the film where the news report is going like oh it turns out they were trying to trying to breed teenagers and it's like what like, have they not heard of adoption <laughs> why didn't they just kidnap i mean i'm not endorsing kidnapping a child but it's like you know there's other there's other ways they could have you know had a child right away rather than whatever weird convoluted thing they were trying to do <laughs> happening i don't know if she was trying to have kids with these these guys and it just wasn't working out but I, it's like i don't it, know <laughs> it makes no sense and to heart back that this film has a concussion it doesn't 
<laughs> make sense. But it's like what it gave me a concussion. <laughs> oh Jesus, tell me about it. But this is going back to something what like you were saying as well. It's like again to the whole disjointed point in the film. And if I think I think it just focused too much on the whole uh did buddy do it didn't but buddy do it thing which is the least interesting part of the film and all the back and forth with the time skips are going back and forth in the interrogation room and if it lent more into the sort of horror thriller aspects of like this sort of like a, a couple burdened by like ptsd and grief and just lent way more into um that than trying to make it this sort of southern gothic uh, sort of kind of pseudo procedural Kentucky Fried thriller, which it had no business being. There's such like there's a better story in here, probably one that we've seen before, but it would have been much more serviceable. But then you can't just get to the end of the film and then have a news reporter say, uh, "Oh, by the way, this is what the film was," and then end. It, it, that's why I I totally I I totally agree. That's why I think you're uh, you know rumor about them running out of money could very well be the case but it's like you know if again it's like every time we got to that interrogation uh the interrogation scenes intercut throughout the whole movie it just ground the movie to a halt it was absolutely just like and it wasn't interesting like you said it was the least interesting thing you know as soon as you kind of meet how over the top walter and fancy are you can basically guess that you know, he's probably innocent or, you know, at the yeah. very least they deserved whatever was yeah, going sure. on, you know, sure. or they're all equally bad, but it's like, like you said, there's no, and it almost feels like they just added those to add Kelsey Grammer, but at that point it's not worth it to me because it makes the whole movie clunky. And then, you know, if they'd save that money and put it towards a little bit better ending, I think it could have at least been, you know, like you said, it wouldn't have been anything groundbreaking or, you know, something we haven't seen before, but it would have been a probably a fairly entertaining Southern Gothic thriller and, you know, stronger story-wise for, for sure, because <laughs> the story is just, yeah, it's, it's just incomprehensible in a lot of places. And even, you know, getting to the end, I'm like, so the whole time he was being interrogated, they... Walter and Fancy, they had plenty, plenty, plenty of time to either run away or clean out their basement. And they did yeah. neither. Like, why? <laughs> they knew, but it got away. <laughs> you know what I mean? They knew the cops had to be coming, coming. So it made no sense that they didn't either, you know, take off or clean out their basement, get rid of the evidence. They obviously had at least I don't know. I mean, we have no idea what the time frame is, but there was at least half a day. I mean, they had time. Like, yeah, they, they had time to run away for sure, and maybe time to clean up the whole, <laughs> clean up what they could. But they didn't seem to do anything. They just sat there and waited. And then, were they planning on the cops were there? It was almost like they were planning on locking them in the basement too. It's a yeah, it's your plan. You can't go through all of this effort just just like kidnap people and then not have a get out plan because <laughs> I think they were thinking that um because once they there's the whole like chase scene that sort of happens towards the end and they get Buddy and they put him in a truck with the dead boy from the start of the film they call the cops I think in the the belief that it's all going to get pinned on him. 
Um, but then he mentions that, like, oh, I saw this uh, this boy in a room and he had this bit of material in his hand and it would look like this. And then that random, like, lady cop was like, oh, that rings a bell to a, a thing that we're looking for. I think he's telling the truth. And then they get the warrant. And one, um, I think one of my favourite things about them getting the warrant is that um, uh, the, the cops sort of turn up and again, I, I don't know the basis of sort of like legal jargon and this, that or the other, but they turn up and they say, uh, we've got a search warrant on the basis of, and I quote listeners, illegal activities, which seems weak at best. It's a pretty, pretty generic. And I think even Cage, he repeats it back in a really amusing way, like illegal activities. <laughs> Just like he can't even believe the dialogue. <laughs> either <laughs> uh, like, I, delivery. <laughs> I don't know that illegal activities I think that's very broad I don't know how well that would stand up in a court of law um so I'd be like oh no like illegal activities you could have to you're gonna have to give me something more than that because yeah. you don't sound like a real cop you sound like an actor um are you are Fair you improvising down. lines as well so I'll just <laughs> pretend to be a cop. We can only we've we've literally got the budget for one shot. You've got to get this door knock right. Oh fucking crime! Um, let me in. Which... They should just be like, we have a warrant because you committed crime. <laughs> Suspicion yeah. of committing crime. It's the same That's... deal. It's just like what... very generic and very you know. Yeah, that wouldn't be. <laughs> what minority report sort of bullshit is this? Like this this does not fly. Like I was sort of like. I was sort of, you know, oh, the film's nearly done, so I'm sort of sticking with it at this point. But then it's just, it's like, it's all these these disparate parts that they're trying to make you interested. One of the other things as well, which I think they try to make it a deal out of, but for me, it didn't really work anywhere, is when they're talking about the respective backstories of, um, of Walter and Buddy, because uh, Walter knows that Buddy has served. So I don't know if this comes into the plan of their keeping eyes on certain people in the neighborhood but because like walter's like oh I, I don't just let anyone in into my house and um but he tells a story but then later the story was that he actually let someone die in a fire on a navy ship and walter's story is that he served in vietnam for like a week and got shrapnel in his leg and had to go home and now he's angry at the government for not looking after like the serving sort of soldiers and stuff i'm like I, I, yeah. <laughs> like well it didn't make sense either because for walter's side you know like trying to connect them like they were totally different experiences for walter he mm. said he never even was shipped out it was the day before they were going to be shipped out on training he got injured and expelled Jesus, <laughs> so so that's why he was so angry because there was this like you know i didn't even i did all this and i was a day from you know going out and actually serving and i never got the opportunity to because I got, you know, the shrapnel uh, from some idiot in training detonating a grenade when they shouldn't have been detonating it. So there was oh, that. Yeah. And yeah. And then his whole platoon a week later got killed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But, yeah. But yeah, but it's a totally different experience and it's, you know, totally different branches, totally everything than what Buddy went through. So the connection doesn't make sense. I think it's kind of a cool backstory. Or I mean, at least it's, I don't know if it's cool, but at least it's like a, an attempt to give a good backstory and motivation for Walter and give him some depth for why he's kind of this broken man that he is, <laughs> broken shell of a man that he is now. 
but yeah, like you were saying, the way they tried to connect it with with Buddy, you know, it that that didn't click at all. And and then they brought it back again for the very very end scene with with Cage or with Walter, and that felt like a totally different movie. <laughs> It's like it felt, it felt like it was filmed like three months later. It was just like a quick tag just to give an ending to the movie, which to me, he could have just got away and just never heard from him again. And it probably would have been just as good of an ending, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Then doing that weird, weird scene at the end. I don't know. It didn't work for me at all. The whole sort of double pistol face off <laughs> standoff with the cops whilst they're also seems like they're just really crowbarring in like uh, uh not necessarily like an anti-army message but an anti-veteran um care message which is like i'm not saying that it's not a message that shouldn't be talked about but considering what this film is trying to be it feels like it's a little out of place with literally everything else but then every scene yep. feels like it's out of place <laughs> with, with every other scene there was that the scene i was thinking of where um fancy's basically on top of buddy in the bedroom and she kicks off his top button with the heel of her shoe which uh, my, my other half was sort of passively watching the film with me and i am reliably informed that's a very hard thing to do so apparently that takes a lot of skill um just pinging buttons left right and center <laughs> it's beyond me that's for sure <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i would take a lot of practice so she be practicing on somebody <laughs> it, it feels like she's had time well she's had 15 years just to sort of uh build up her, her young boy skills um as she'll probably call it as well um, it's just all so twisted it is all so bizarre and if they played off on some of that stuff more you know again and just focus their attention but to go back to the anti-army kind of anti-government message that yeah. they had i totally agree because there was a couple of times it was like at, when it was at the end but then also you know when he's talking to buddy trying to convince him to kill his wife he he has a couple of lines like that too like you know what what did they ever give us and what did they do nothing we you know we went out there and we did nothing so it's kind of like you know it was there <laughs> but it it didn't make a lot of it's like again just too much stuff too many you know thoughts from different people and messages they wanted to say and none of them landed because none of them were explored fully or realized mm. fully and it's just all too disjointed to to make heads or tails of what message are they anti again are they anti you know army or you know are they you know just making a statement that we should take care of our veterans better which i totally agree i mean it's all good you know good statements you should take if you've asked people to fight you should take care of them you know that's all that but it's like again did it belong in this movie no, no. <laughs> i don't think so no, not at all not, not unless you totally focus the movie on kind of a more army theme movie yeah, it just like, I don't know. If they really were just focusing on like men who served rather than having the whole fancy, you know, kidnapping sort of plot mm -hmm. to it, then okay. But yeah, it was like, it's, it wanted to be like two or three movies, I think. And it just. Yeah, it was. It barely ended up being one. <laughs> this is it. It's just trying to do too much. And I think, you know, as we've sort of said before, this is absolutely no discredit to sort of Cage and Strickland, who are both like, selling the lines and they were convincing and i was you know i was invested in what they were saying but it's just like 
not the time or place for the yep. your acting is good let's take nothing away you are sort of the selling points of this movie but what it is you're actually saying because too many people are saying too many things that make no sense i just remember that even buddy had a backstory in this he was saying that like he's his mom died and then his dad literally drank himself into a coma before like him and fancy sort of raw dog on the bathroom floor oh that's like, right yeah well, I didn't, I didn't I'm not, we don't I, need to know this now <laughs> it's like i don't care about you buddy get out of the way move you're not interesting stop it um i mean, I mean we, we get as we've sort of touched on before, there's the whole sort of what side is Buddy going to choose plot, like Nicholas Cage's character, Walter, has given him cyanide. It's like, I'll give you $20,000 in cyanide to kill Fancy because she's actually, she has blood cancer or something, I think he says. But then yeah. Fancy's like... There's no coming back from that. So apparently there's no hope like, for any, like, people can't be treated for stuff. I don't know. You give it a shot first before you poison her with cyanide i'm just saying like, did you ask what, her about this nah. <laughs> don't know what the medical situation for that kind of thing was back in the late 80s but as far as walter was it's concerned crazy. it was uh, a straight cyaniding fancy was like we need to sort of we need to kill walter and then i'll run away with you and he sort of sides with fancy um and then they they sort of take in what well, he gets stabbed in the hand, Walton gets stabbed in the hand, and it he that was one of like, my favorite scenes though. <laughs> you see that shit? You see, you see that, that shit. shit? <laughs> and then he, like that those are the moments, the little moments that I just make this watchable for me. <laughs> well, this you know, you sort you get you get a line here and there that sort of drags you back in, but this is the yep. whole um and, and like another scrap that they're having and fighting all around the house and Walter sort of tied to the staircase and he's like oh well actually Fancy has quite a dark side as well and he's like you gotta go check the basement gotta go check the basement um and then they're running around the house and they're fighting each other that's when he finds uh, the boy and they're fighting in the attic and glass is smashing and then Buddy's sort of knocked out and you know there, there is I don't like a modicum of tension there when it's like, oh, you know, what's he going to find is getting chased around. But but then it's just like, this is what you said. Like, what is the relationship of Walter and Fancy? Who Who is telling the truth? Are they both in on this? What is their actual clear motivations? Like, you can't just hint at little bits and pieces and then sort of do nothing with it. So I'm just, I would just like, I, like I'm watching... <laughs> My thing was like, I'm watching this because I've made a commitment to watch all of these movies at this point. So I was kind of like. And I made you watch this again, probably. I was like, where's, where's Kelsey Grammer? I want Kelsey Grammer back just to shout at people because at least he makes sense. <laughs> that is true. His plot line was the most straightforward. It did make sense, but it was also boring. <laughs> I know, it's, it's such a sad state of affairs that his whole character motivation can be summed up in like one line cop who's doing his job um he does what he can with it i mean again we're, we're sort of coming back to this but like, i don't know i would love to know the rationale of kelsey grammar sort of starring in this film i i'm going to assume that they got cage first and because of that they were able to get kelsey grammar as well um it's, I wonder if he was a friend or something like, you know, if it was like a friend thing or something too, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it does kind of, you know, play like, you know, oh, I, I know him and I could get him for a couple of days. So 
you know, and I, we got Cage now to, you know, convince him that's a proper production. So yeah. we'll do it. You know, I don't know. And I hate to assume like that. But, but you know, it, was... it, it reads that way when you watch it. You're just Yeah, <laughs> they got one of them first to get the other one. But I, I want to yeah. know who caved first. And so that meant I had to watch this. <laughs> so I need, I need to be angry at one of them. I need to be frustrated at one of them for sort of putting me through this this torment of what 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 sort of this film was um and then as we sort of said like they uh eventually the police go and i suppose as well we obviously um we haven't sort of talked about the the the, the f plot which is sort of buddy's partner i think she's called lisa because she as like this whole uh detective jones kelsey drama last ploy is like i'm gonna bring your girlfriend in here and then yeah. And she's like, she's been listening to the whole thing, finding out that he's been sort of unfaithful with this, uh, with, with fancy, and then takes him back later. All works out well in the end. So, you know. Well, at least somebody won. <laughs> I guess somebody got a good happy ending, I guess. And it, it, it culminates in that, that diner shootout as well, because this is sort of afterwards and when the police arrive, basically Cage just pushes Fanta. like, oh, she did it. And he runs off. Um, no one can find him. And then he turns up at the end in his sort of military uniform, which, you know, again, sort of mentioning the imagery of IMDb, apparently all the medals were just a mishmash of medals. So it was just, I don't know, maybe it was intentional on the character. Maybe he never served. Who actually knows? But then he's... But yeah, because he said he never served, you know, actual combat. And that was like so yeah we're all the medals so maybe yeah exactly you just went to a thrift store and just pulled a bunch of medals that did you know could be from all sorts of different branches <laughs> god knows i don't know why but <laughs> well then he's he's taken lisa hostage as walter like he's found lisa for we don't know how it doesn't matter at this point and then he's in this standoff with the police where he's like um i want like fancy back and then Kelsey Grammer's just like, oh, she's in one of them they are mental asylums. We can't do anything about it. That's just the way the world works, buddy. And then I love his his last, he's like his big play, um, his Hail Mary to get through to Walter is we could be talking about this over a drink, son. He's like, really? I'm pretty sure he's committed all sorts of felonies and stuff right now. I think this man's got a rap sheet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's been like kidnapping kids and he's murdered some people and you know, yeah, we just we just go you know have a drink and <laughs> talk this over in the bar like men. <laughs> this is what men do. We don't. We just we yeah, just drink like... drink our feelings away. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> and you know, Detective Jones was sticking to that very rigorous one rule that we have is not to talk about our emotions. Um. Yeah, and, then, and it's it's just such a shame when you watch this because you do it's just like this could have been there's glimmers of a good movie here in pieces and it's just a shame that they couldn't like focus it couldn't be focused a little bit better to really to make it mm. happen because i'm like ah you know he played like nick cage plays that role really well like that's a fun sort of role to see him in you know in general like the character he did yeah. and stuff and again katie strickland is really fun to watch i mean buddy's not very fun but he, he could have been better at least to <laughs> to watch if he was made a little more interesting in the script again you know i've never seen that actor in anything else but um you know i don't think it was really his fault he just 
you know, and his character was in a weird position too, because he is just like stuck between these two clearly off the rocker people who are mm. trying to hurt each other in every way possible and stuff. So there's kind of that, you know, like, I, I don't want to get into any of this. I just want to leave. But for some reason, I'm, I'm not taking my chances at the hurricane, even though it'd be better. <laughs> Yeah. But just like the logic, but it, it is too, just all the logic stuff. Like there's no logical reason why he doesn't leave. There's no logical reason why, you know, Walter and Fancy wouldn't have a backup plan. Like, yeah, maybe they thought, you know, Buddy would be, um, you know, pinned for everything, but that still doesn't make sense why they wouldn't, you know, try and clean up what they could because they had to have known they probably would have been searched anyway, just to, you know. <laughs> You know, because it was the scene of all the crimes and everything that were yeah. occurring. So, you know, it's... of course the cops were going to visit their house and, and search and at least talk to them and stuff. So it made no sense that they didn't try to clean up or didn't just cut their losses and disappear. I mean, it just, you know, and what the motivation was. I mean, you do get the sense, obviously, that Walter and Fancy have been doing what they've been doing for years together. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. Yeah. but. No, not at all. But it's like, so do they do this to guys who work on their house all the time? Is this like a game that they play? You know, again, with the with the plot, um, you know, trying to kill her. Was that Walter yeah. just trying to stop it all? Or was that, you know, some weird twisted part of their game? So she could go stab him and try to kill him and make Buddy think that they were against each other. I mean, there, there's makings of something good here, but none of it ever made sense <laughs> they never tied it all together in a way that no as we said the key word well the key words here are disjointed and concussion because these <laughs> the, the, obviously the tremblings of a much um better film if there'd been maybe some more interplay like cat like you sort of classic like cop killer kind of cat and mouse thing between kelsey Grammer and nicholas cage and katie strickland if it just ignored basically all of the buddy stuff which was just not interesting in any way shape or form if it just focused more on just sort of like the thriller horror aspects and be more central to the house maybe on the kids who'd been like abducted and stuff it could have been a much more gripping and sort of tense film but we we just got a very we just got two crazy people shouting at each other whilst also slipping in some digs about the care of veterans um <laughs> So, yeah, so it's and, and then as we sort of we sort of like skirting around as well, the whole um plot of their of of Walter and Fancy summed up by a news report in the end is like, oh, they've been kidnapping teenagers and making them breed. And obviously, that's never alluded to. You don't obviously for very much you don't see it happen, so you don't get the full horror of what these people are capable of. But then the news report was basically it's a wink at the camera when he goes. You never really know your neighbors wink and like what kind of message is that? And that's like a, that's again another just like the vet stuff, the care of the vets and stuff like that. It's another one where if you base the whole movie around that that end kind of thing, that would make sense. But we never meet any of the other neighbors. We never, you know, Buddy's not really a neighbor. They never focus on the neighborhood itself, or these yeah. people never try to be normal, like. Walter and no. Fancy are not at all trying to be normal. They are cruelly insane. <laughs> He's up on the roof shooting, you know, shooting at people or down on his lawn shooting at people. And I know as much as America's known for their guns, that's not normal. <laughs> that's not a normal thing. 
behavior. She's like clearly just trying to ride anything that moves, you know, <laughs> to yeah, the peripheral vision. I mean, it's just very it was, weird. It was obviously them. It was obviously yeah. them because she, <laughs> she, she, she sort of, when she's given Buddy the house tour early in the film, she's like, um, cause they, she says that she's, um, Heir, heiress to some kind of business that her family had or something and she's inherited the house because it was I don't know, a real estate magnet it's like we used to host parties for all the town in here and, and then it's like well the town knows who you are and then kids have started going missing so maybe there's some backstory there but you obviously did it and then it just stands to reason and I don't know what part in sort of like Southern America this takes place it's nondescript sort of buttfuck America but you yeah, obviously it did it you obviously yeah. did it. You'd be the first person I'd take the flaming pitchforks to. Like you obviously <laughs> did this. And then they got this old creepy kind of house. I mean, it's kind of nice, but they got this old mansion, you know, and they're obviously insane and they obviously don't have any friends or any people coming over. I mean, you know. So yeah, basically, basically every single person in this movie is at fault. <laughs> no one is innocent. Is I think that goes back, yeah, is. exactly. I go back to there was no no one to root for. There's no likable people. I mean, it was like you said. I mean, clearly it's supposed to be Buddy, but he's not likable. You know, just for you know many reasons, he's just not likable. His motivations, like you said, they're caveman motivations. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, I guess you could understand it, but it was like you know, <laughs> I'm not really rooting for you here. So it, it's yeah, not it's really. a it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> not doing a great job of winning me over pal is uh, a thing but i'm just, just looking at some bits and pieces of the film as well for a, for a while this movie did have zero percent on rotten tomatoes there have been 11 critical reviews since that have raised this from prediction to a, a mighty nine percent um which i feel is about right um, I feel know. it's fair i think zero is a little harsh because there's at least some people trying to act <laughs> Yeah. And who are acting the best they can with the script because the script is and the editing are just they're just not there. Um <laughs> so nine percent seems pretty fair just because you know it's not it doesn't really form a full movie, unfortunately, <laughs> but there are people uh who at least make it I was able to sit through it without being like, you know, I I wanna leave right now. <laughs> Unlike you know, yeah, it's just like running with the devil for me was probably like for you with this one because I just like I can't. There was another one where they had some great actors and man, they just squandered that. Which I know we're not talking about that one, but <laughs> talking about the two thousand nineteens and how rough yeah. they were, you know. <laughs> I think the best part for me was that at the time of recording, this was free on Amazon Prime, so I'm, I'm at no financial loss in watching this. The only thing I've lost. He's 90 minutes of my time. Um, I watched it free on Pluto, so <laughs> neither of us spent any money on this. <laughs> we, will take the, we will take the limited wins that we can get <laughs> at this point. Uh, but I think, I think on that note, on that important <laughs> note, it's probably time to start wrapping up here on 2019's Grand Isle. Uh, Scott, obviously, thank you so much for, first of all, taking the time to sit down and watch this again and then talk to me about <laughs> it, keep reliving this concussed trauma of yours. Um, for the listeners, uh, where can we find you on uh, the socials and that other such things where you may be uh, around? Yep, I'm uh, Volta1228 on Twitter, and I also have a Etsy shop, um, Modern Mythos Designs, 
which I do sell some uh, cage inspired stuff on like some uh, enamel pins and that sort of thing. So have a look if you feel like it. <laughs> Thank you for having me on here so much uh, <laughs> to very, shoot about welcome. this movie. <laughs> We've uh, gotten some brain damage, but I, I think it'll be all right. And, uh, yeah, I need to go. And the rest. cage is worth it. <laughs> the things I do on this journey to true cage Nirvana. The things but at least you just I came do. off pig. You just came off pig. So that's that's got to help because that's good. <laughs> I'm trying, trying to ride that high, but I think I think now is the uh, the uh, the chicken and champagne time. So I'm going to get <laughs> some chicken and champagne and then see my evening in. Uh, on that bombshell, it is time to wrap up this episode. Scarlett, thank you again so much for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we, dear listener, will see you in the next one. And of course, and as ever, keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Thank you. Take care and goodbye. That's all you have to do!